What's up, NBA fans? We are recording on Juneteenth here. Uh, the NBA Second Stringers NBA podcast. The second round is all about almost wrapped up. Uh, we just finished watching Game 7. Bucks and Nets. Kevin Durant. A heroic effort to try to keep the Nets to win this game. They go into overtime, but it's slightly not enough by just centimeters. Uh, airballs it there at the end and isn't able to seal the deal. Yesterday, Clippers uh, miraculously take down the Utah Jazz with a huge comeback to win in Game 6 in advance for the first time in their franchise history to the Western Conference Finals. And we got 76ers in Atlanta going to a Game 7 tomorrow. Uh, but so far, the 2021 playoffs now have three comebacks from an 0-2 deficit the first time uh, in a single playoff in NBA history. It's been quite the ride here. We've had injuries, but still, despite the injuries and even a COVID protocol in Chris Paul, we've had a hell of a string of games to have watched, especially this weekend. Sean, you actually got a chance to go to that Clipper game. I know you're stoked to talk about it. That was insane. I'm so glad that I did not turn off the TV at halftime or, you know, started doing other things. And I, I stay engaged with the whole game. And I'm so glad I did because that was a hell of a performance from Terrence Mann and the Clippers squad. Oh my goodness. I am so lucky that I got to go to this game. Went there with my dad as a, I <laughs> gave it to him as a little Father's Day present, a little early Father's Day. Um, gift to him and man I could not have picked a better game for us to go to this might be the best live game I could have I might ever go to and definitely have ever mm -hmm. gone to in my entire life like this had everything I mean it had a competitive first quarter um, all of the downs you could possibly ask for in the second quarter and then you just go from zero to a hundred in the third quarter and then that carries over into the fourth the energy in that building was just incredible. I mean, it was full mm -hmm. capacity. This is the first full capacity game that the Clippers have been able to play this season. And man, you couldn't tell until the third quarter. I mean, it was pretty loud in the first, but you know, people are still getting situated in their seats and stuff. But then the second quarter, there was just no energy at all. Like everyone was just like, holy cow, like the Jazz are just running us out of the building. They are playing so well. Donovan Mitchell's unstoppable and Jordan Clarkson man Jordan Clarkson was killing us it yeah. was just unreal 8 for 12 in the first half for Jordan Clarkson it felt like 12 for 12 the way he was yeah. shooting it and he went on a run I think he scored like 17 points against the Clippers well it was like a 17-0 run of just Jordan Clarkson and yeah there was a, yeah. an instant I think where the entire second quarter accumulation of points from the utah jazz was all jordan clark it was all jordan clark he was just impossible to stop i it was it was undescribable the shots weren't easy and there's some mm -hmm. threes there are some fadeaways in the lane and there's just a little bit of everything he was giving us the business and just every basket he made was just like another dagger in the heart you're just like oh you gotta be kidding me like jordan yeah. clarkson has 21 points in the first half I, at halftime, I was I was telling my dad, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry I got us these <laughs> tickets. Like, this is just sad for us as Clipper fans to watch our team just get completely pummeled. We're thinking, yeah, game five was just a fluke. Yeah, like, this is yeah. how the Jazz are going to be. 
but we're like you know what like we have nothing to lose at this point might as well stick around and, and you know see if we can make a little comeback you know if like we can get it within like i don't know like 12 points by the end of the third that would be pretty miraculous and maybe like it's worth sticking around for the fourth yeah and i think it's the modern nba and i think that's a that's more than fair i was going through the same thing where i was watching it on tv i was like well you know when the lakers were down against the suns they, they still put together an exciting couple sequence of minutes where they got it, they cut it down to 10. I think mm-hmm. the Clippers had that in them. Uh, yeah. Because, and we were texting about this. When I was watching this first half, it seemed so totally almost unfair in that <laughs> the Clippers were actually playing basketball. They were playing yeah. team basketball. They running were playing plays. Hard, yeah. Paul, yeah, Paul George was looking for his guys. No, no hero ball, I felt. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Utah Jazz... They were just chucking up shots. Donovan <laughs> yeah, Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, <laughs> no basket, no team basketball. It felt no real offense. So I think thinking about it that way sort of set the stage up for what happened in the second half was I think the Clippers played masterful chess moves <laughs> that exposed the Utah Jazz and the stars aligned to where you had a man, literally Terrence Mann. <laughs> show up and have the game of his career maybe the game of his life oh the game of his life for sure (laughs) hopefully not the last one that he has i mean this this kid could have a very bright future with the way he played here i mean he looked like he belonged in the moment i mean this is a guy i mean we go back to our last podcast last week after game two we're berating this guy because mm-hmm. he didn't take that layup that would have tied the game. He passed it out to Batum, and then they missed the layup. And you're like, Terrence, man, why didn't you shoot that shot? Like, you had that. So right. he, he's getting this opportunity now with, with Kawhi Leonard injured, obviously. And, I mean, he came out big, too. I mean, in the first quarter alone, he had he got, like, I think 10 of our first 12 points was Terrence Mann. And they, they were just... I think the Jazz were willing to let Terrence Mann beat them, and the Clippers were willing to let Terrence Mann be the guy for us, which, I mean, to put your faith in a second-year player like this doesn't have very much experience at all, uh, is in and out of the rotation for you. For him to step up like this, I'm, I can't blame the Jazz for being like, you know what, if Terrence Mann's going to be the one that tortures us, sure. Like, if he gets 20 points, sure. They didn't expect him to get 20 points in a single quarter, though. 20 yeah. points for Terrence Mann in that third quarter. And, man, it was just shot after shot. Big shots. I mean, 7 for 10 from 3 on the night. 70% shooting. And this is a guy who shot 15 for 21 from the field the entire game. They were just leaving him open. It was yeah. the most absurd thing. Like, he was just getting the ball. And, like, obviously, there's a dribble drive. They pass it out to him. It was They were getting good passes to him. But no one was running out to him. They were willing to let him shoot it and get the rebound. But there was no rebound to get. Yeah. And it just kept chipping away. And I think that's the story of the game, really. Or the story of the second half is the clip. I mean, the Clippers just really exposed that corner where Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. was supposed to rotate over yeah, to and not willing and to time. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And time and time again, he was either not quick enough or felt like he didn't need to commit. And I'm sure maybe there was a combination of both of those things where you had Reggie Jackson there at times you had Terrence Mann really was the one there the most. Um, and maybe he felt that he didn't need to commit to those guys. But once they started knocking down, I got to think he was trying and he just mm-hmm. was not, he just will. He just he literally was just not quick, quick enough 
or sharp enough maybe or like he just wasn't used to it to to go out there and close out on these guys and the Clippers knew that they kept going to it and even if he did try the Clippers had another maneuver like Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann I think they <laughs> they drew their confidence from that corner and from there it just ignited and man just had the game of his life like yeah <laughs> so and I think there there's a there's a fair judgment there where like Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, was totally exposed and Quinn Snyder was willing to stick with him through the entire second half and it eventually led to this Terrence Mann, 10 for 13 in the second half, Reggie Jackson, <laughs> 9 for 11, Nicholas Batum, 3 for 4. Oh, man. I mean, this entire Clipper team, 73% from 3. It, it was tough, <laughs> man. This is just a crazy, crazy, crazy comeback and it was all catapulted based, I think, off... Things that Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert just couldn't make up or didn't want to try to make up. And the Clippers just riding that wave mm-hmm. to the best that they possibly could. Yeah. And I think this is definitely a case where home court advantage played right. a huge part. I mean, the momentum is just it shifts so easily if you just make a few baskets. I mean, think about if this was in Utah and the Clippers were down 25 in the third quarter the Clippers make a few baskets, there's not any response to that from the crowd, you know? They'll be like, whatever. Now it's 18 instead of 25. But when it was for in the Clippers home, like we were like, once they got it to with like 18 and then 16, like we were starting to get into it. And you could just feel the energy shift in the entire arena where people are like, hey, maybe they're actually gonna like make this competitive again. Like maybe we actually have something to cheer for. And then you get it with 14 within 10 and it's still going. And you're like, how is this run happening? And then I think it just continued to snowball like the entire third quarter into the fourth quarter, obviously, where it just like it just seemed like there was no stopping us and that the energy yeah. that we were giving them and that they were able to build off of. They just weren't going to miss a shot. It just it seemed like it was just it was unreal to to watch unfold and just like how everyone was just losing their minds like this. This comeback was unprecedented. This this is, I think, even better than that comeback we had against Golden State uh, two years ago in that series against them when I mean, obviously it's a first round series and they clobbered us at the end. But like when we were able to actually get that that two two um, series tie against them. But yeah, this this game was special, man. I mean, Reggie Jackson, oh man, Reggie Jackson is a playing. He was on not a minimum, afraid. He is playing yeah. on a minimum contract this year. Reggie Jackson was contemplating not really playing in the NBA anymore before this season started, and now he's stepping up on the biggest stage, going right at the Defensive Player of the Year almost seeking him out it seems like he's looking for him like what world is this where you're like i want to just go at the defensive player of the year reigning multiple years in a row and just take it to him in his own in his own arena well not like at home field but like in the paint just taking it to him in the paint right in his face and he's making all these crazy circus shots the body control this guy has is amazing. I I'd never seen this from him before. It it was unreal. And then you get clutch shots from Paul George, obviously making great plays, just both passing and rebounding and scoring. And then Patrick Beverly is even making two dagger threes at the end of the game to seal it for you. Just the the team effort was unreal. The it was 
it was a thing of beauty to watch and for as a clipper fan especially that was everything i could have asked for from a single game yeah you got the absolute most value <laughs> you could have gotten from those tickets <laughs> i would have paid yeah. double the price i paid for them easily it was amazing <laughs> yeah and on that interesting note that you mentioned once the momentum was going that wave got pretty big and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden patrick beverly decided to jump on and surf that yeah, web yeah. too <laughs> that wave would have expected patrick and beverly to make threes yeah that that three where he just dribble pulled up early into the shot clock <laughs> could have easily gotten him benched for good reason yeah, no, I remember but he seeing knocked that it down i was like i was just like oh no 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 oh my gosh he made it <laughs> yeah and once that goes down that's demoralizing especially knowing who it came from and, right. and you know he did it a couple more times in the, in the second half and at that point that's just the wave of momentum that you're writing uh, but on the note of reggie jackson i gotta say i'm impressed with this guy i feel like this i feel like the performance he put out today or yes or again in this game was something that was in him for a long time i think when he you could tell he was a talented player back in the okc and he never really showed it. He left OKC and kind of just went into the hole of the Detroit yeah. <laughs> for, for a long time. Yep. And yeah, I think his career could have easily been over after that buyout, after last year, but getting bought out, joining the Clippers and not really having any impact in the playoffs. And this year, he finally just showed it really rejuvenating his career. And it's just crazy to say, but Reggie Jackson figured out Rudy Gobert and he had absolutely no fear. He knew the right angles. He made a couple of layups where Rudy Gobert was full extension, ready to take that shot down. And Reggie Jackson just kissed it right high off the point <laughs> off the glass and figured out the right angle somehow to get it to, to, to still get that ball. in despite Rudy Gobert's best efforts to block it. Right. And then, yeah, just going back to just the way he's able to control his body around the Mm -hmm. rim like a lot of the angles he was getting it's just like how do you do that with yourself in midair like that and like some of them were like they were shots he was shooting from like his knees almost like he was like leaning forward lean like his arm was like extended fully and he was like there's just the, the angle you have to get for that type of layup is such a high degree of difficulty he was just making all of them and i mean yeah, everything was just clicking for the Clippers. Shout out to Nick Batum, please, because <laughs> this guy does not does does not get the credit he deserves. He did every little thing for this Clippers team. I mean, he is playing amazing defense the entire game, even in the first half when we were getting blown to pieces. He was still playing great defense. He's making big shots still. He even had a crazy dribble drive dunk that I didn't even know he had in him. And I was like, wait, did Nick Batum just dunk over a guy? <laughs> like, what? He's, he was showing up all over the floor. We could not have won this series without Nick Batum. I need to point that out. That This guy, the unsung hero, for sure. Terrence Mann is going to get a lot of the hype and pop and, like, just attention from the media. But Nick Batum, he's just the glue guy of this team. He He makes the whole thing work. Yeah, I think Terrence Mann gives you that that sort of super out of nowhere boost that made this, you know, a almost 10 point victory. Mm-hmm. But it's all these moving pieces that really put put together that 20 plus comeback, 20 point plus comeback. Like no way you do you don't you do that just 
off the back of one guy, but a team effort. But I think Terrence Mann led the pack, obviously. But yeah, this lineup that Tyron Lue went with and just stuck with through that through that second half, like really just lit up the Utah Jazz. And I'm so stunned at like various points through that comeback that Quinn Snyder didn't adjust or at least mm-hmm. make a, a desperate effort to adjust, especially once you got down to 10 points. Like at that point, like, man, throw out the coaching plan and, and adapt and try something. Cause I think they got the pieces on the roster. Like why not go back to Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, take out Rudy Gobert uh, and run with a lineup that includes those two guys and, and just see what happens and try to stop the bleeding a bit. Jordan Clarkson only getting 10 minutes in that second half going over mm-hmm. four after you know, just going, going like nuclear. the second come, yeah, going like the second coming of Jesus in the first <laughs> half, and it just wasn't there. Um, I know you're you're pretty excited about the Clipper comeback, Sean, but did you have mm-hmm. any thoughts on the what Utah could have done? Oh yeah, I I mean yeah, I, I mean just watching it happen, and it's like obviously the the obvious thing to point out is like Gobert looked like he was getting run off mm-hmm. the floor. Yeah, it's hard to say that. You, I don't think Utah had a good replacement for Gobert, though. I, like, if you put in Joe Ingles, you're completely outsized by the Clippers, and Paul George is just going to drive on you every play. Because that, that was yeah. the thing. When Gobert was out of the game, like, Paul George instantly started driving. When he was in the game, it was all the three-point game. That, that was our game. We spread out the three-point line. So, yeah, I think to your point, that's what, like, the Clippers just figured out how to beat the jazz and the jazz didn't have the personnel to counter punch with because yeah, yeah your response would be to go small ball. But if you're replacing Gobert with Joe Ingles, that's not exact. I don't think that would have been the winning move. I, I don't mm-hmm. think so, but I think the winning move and you mentioned it, Clarkson only played 10 minutes in the, in the second half, but Mike Conley was the one yeah. closing the game for some reason. So if you replace Clarkson with Mike Conley, who who was clearly not ready for an no. elimination game, played 26 minutes, including most of the fourth quarter. How is Jordan Clarkson not getting these minutes? It's are you tr- like, what do you gain from trying to condition Mike Conley when your season's on the line? That made no sense to me at all. He looked like all out of sorts out there. He only made one shot the whole game. And his defense wasn't anything. His conditioning was terrible. How yeah. is Jordan Clarkson not playing in front of Mike Conley? You needed that offensive punch to keep up with the Clippers, and you weren't even giving yourself the chance. Yeah, and I mean, you had Donovan Mitchell running the offense in the fourth quarter, anyways. Might as well throw out a, a healthier body, better. Di- like and Mike Conley looked rusty. Guarding anybody else? Yeah, Mike Conley looked rusty. He had a couple turnovers, some critical ones in the second half, um, finishing with four turnovers in the second half, but. Yeah, he looked rusty. Maybe you do keep Gobert and you and you sub in um, Clarkson, Clarkson mm-hmm. over Conley. But the main point, I think, I was pretty stunned at just like the lack of response from Quinn Snyder. And I guess maybe that was his response to stick with his guys and go down swinging that way. But I I gotta think like once you see that lead <laughs> dwindle down to yeah, that you, many numbers, right? you gotta just throw that out out the window. Yeah, like you've. Already given up a 25 point lead like what more do you need to see you know it's mm-hmm. like it's clearly not working <laughs> yeah but i mean mitchell gave it everything he had this series this whole in game six especially but this whole series i mean we have to we have to give this man 
his proper right. respect. Just like with Luca last year, Donovan Mitchell was a special player in this entire series and the entire playoffs, really. I mean, average 35 points, five rebounds, five assists in this series on 45% shooting from three. And a lot of those threes were very high difficulty shots. I mean, he they were just pull up threes, run off of screen threes. It, it was he he played incredible. He played injured for most of this series, I think. He never really showed how injured he really was, but you you could tell as the series went on, that ankle of his just kept getting worse and worse. But he had no thoughts of coming out of the game. He showed all the tenacity and heart of a champion. And uh, he, maybe he'll get his one day. But for now, I, I just hope that his ankle isn't completely messed up and that he's able to recover and be ready for next season at the start of next season. But I mean, he he played his heart out. Yeah, it sucks because I think Donovan Mitchell was injured. There's that. And that's definitely true. And I'm sure that hindered him. But he really did everything he was supposed to do. He he scored the mm-hmm. ball well, made good decisions throughout the series, came out this game seven hot, aggressive, knocked down back to back threes, um, kept his team afloat again, making the right decisions. Him individually, he did everything he needed to do and more. Yeah. And it just was not enough. It truly was sort of a defensive team breakdown and offensively as well. Uh, from the other pieces, not really knocking down shots. So it is a stinker for Donovan Mitchell to go home in the second round yet again. But it's still just crazy that he is so young and he's been here so many times. He's a vet. He's a second rounder, Mm -hmm. second round playoff veteran guy. (laughs) And I think the overall theme for this play for these playoffs, it's you have all these teams who have been here for so for a couple years now, and they're just waiting to break through. And with no LeBron, no Lakers, uh, no warriors, you know, the common foes are not here and it feels so wide open for anybody to take it that mm-hmm. I got to think that 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 hurts a bit here for Donovan Mitchell. And it would have hurt the same as well if the Clippers lost too. Um, but unfortunately, you know, he doesn't continue, but fortunately for the Clippers, they continue and they go on to the Western conference finals for the first Ooh. time franchise history and they put together a couple teams now the last you know sean you know this 12 Mm -hmm. years to try to do this and they're finally (laughs) they're finally doing it yeah and with terrence mann of all guys Mm. terrence mann we had we had uh we we can go even all the way back to elton brand we had elton (laughs) brand Corey mcgetty katino mobley team couldn't get us past the second round we had lob city obviously couldn't get us past the second round hawaii and paul george last year couldn't get us past the second round who is it this year? It's Terrence Mann and Paul George getting yeah. us through. And I mean, obviously Kawhi helped quite a bit in the games three and four, but I mean, just overall, it's it's crazy that we're here. And it this is gonna be a really fun series against Phoenix. Unfortunately, you get no Chris Paul for the Suns, at least for the start of this series, while he's still in that COVID protocol. I mean, the dude's vaccinated and he still got COVID. So if that's <laughs> that's just something you just gotta still be careful out there. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure he went to a, f- a good number of parties after they made the co- the Western Conference Finals themselves, and who knows what happened there. But uh, hopefully, he's not out for too many of these games. And then, and the same for Kawhi. It's like we still have no idea what the exact extent of his ACL injury is. We know it's an ACL. We know he's gotten scans on it, but there's been nothing definitive coming out from any media sources saying exactly what his injury is or how long it's going to take him out. 
And, and he's not traveling for, with the team yeah, either. Mm -hmm. That's all we know for sure is he's not traveling with the team to continue to rest up. So does that give me hope that he could play in game three, game four, potentially? It's hard to say. I mean, we have no information. So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to cross my fingers and pray and hope. But, I mean, yeah, it'll be a very different series without, I mean, the leaders of both these teams, um, which, I mean, I guess it makes it even. So I, I still think it's going to be a good series, but uh, I mean, the Clippers, they're going to be at a disadvantage. Just, they're probably so emotionally and physically exhausted from this grueling series against the Jazz, whereas the Suns have been resting up for like a week now. Yeah. So that's that's going to be huge. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I mean, God, the, the game tomorrow is not even a night game. They don't even get the full <laughs> Sunday to rest. They have to play tomorrow at 1230 Pacific a day and a half of rest so they're just going right into it no time to celebrate and it it might get ugly for the clippers in this first game but uh, i'm hoping it still makes for a good series yeah i don't even really know what to think i feel like i don't even know this clipper team this looks like a completely different oh, team Oh man it is <laughs> i don't know how this is going to look like against the suns the suns are just firing on all cylinders and I honestly maybe don't think they're that worried about losing Chris Paul this first game. I think they're a well-oiled machine. Obviously, they I think they want him for the whole series, but then you take right. Chris Paul it, away. It's just just the Bubble Suns, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be. I don't really know how to really pinpoint this series, but the only thing I think is I still feel the Suns are the favorite here. Sorry, yeah. Sean. But hey, we've been the underdog pretty much in every series. I'm fine being the underdog, man. I, I think we're actually thriving in that role. Yeah, but for, yeah, and the Clippers to win back to back games against the Utah Jazz just seems so impressive <laughs> that you got to think that they that that's that that's that's they're, they can show they can that's consistent that they can put consistent efforts like that together. I don't know, maybe. 30 plus points on Terrence Mann's no, probably sorry, not. Terrence Mann's not going to get yeah. 39 points consistently. <laughs> but if, hey, if this guy can get us like, you know, like high teens, low 20s, replacing Kawhi, we might be all right. Yeah. You know, this is just also such a different team versus compared to the Jazz, the Suns mm -hmm. are. So it, I get it's so tough. I'm going to go with six games, but yeah i mean i don't know we'll see what we'll see what the series is like do you think this suns how, how do you think the suns seems a lot different from the jazz it's just a quicker younger team better shoot i yeah, think well yeah, they're 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 definitely younger and quicker yeah I'll give yeah you, you got that. deandre aiden down uh -huh. low who's been yeah. offensive machine you know as opposed to rudy gobert more or more <laughs> of a defensive machine right. quote unquote quote unquote oh man <laughs> <laughs> brutal <laughs> i'll give him his credits defensive player of the year but point being deandre aided so much more of a better offensive weapon for the suns down low which He's is been on fire something too. the clippers haven't seen yet and with when going up against dallas or um or this utah jazz series also you got devin booker same style as Adolman mitchell so i think that's there but this this suns team is younger quicker deandre aiden down low I think it'll give them a little bit of a different different punch here for the, the that the Clippers haven't seen yet. Yeah, I I I agree. It is. It I mean, but we where we lack the youth. Maybe I mean we have Terrence Mann. He's, a, he's mm -hmm. our youth, I guess you could say. Yeah. We we make up for in vets. I mean, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Batum, like they these are all smart players, and they can all guard any one of these players. It'll be interesting to see if Tyloo. I mean. We, we, um, dominant centers, yeah. 
are our thing, right? So DeAndre Aiden, we might have to go small ball against him again because I don't think Zubak is going to be able to match up against him very well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Does Do we see Zubak come back into the equation here for a little bit or does... Does Ty Lu stick with this new lineup? I mean, these new lineups are so different as it's well. It's a just very because, good lineup. Whatever, yeah. whatever we're doing is working. <laughs> There's no Kawhi in it, but we'll see how that goes. Um, anyways, we got to move on from the, from the well, Clippers hey, shot. Let me, let me <laughs> ask you one last question as regards to Utah. I, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll allow us to stop talking about the Clippers for a little <laughs> bit. We almost have been like 20 minutes of talking about them straight. Can Utah continue trying to win a title with Rudy Gobert? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think a lot of people are asking themselves that, and I'm sure <laughs> Utah front office is asking that. I mean, you just got to stick with something, right? Like, you got to stick with a certain style of basketball that you're going with. And I think Rudy Gobert is still a solid player. So can they win a title? Uh, yeah, I think so, Maybe. But it's really more dependent on the pieces. And I think when it comes to offseason, I think Clippers really expose what Utah needs to be focusing on this offseason and trying to figure out, get some more pieces, get some more players that are a little more versatile that you can mm -hmm. punch in into the playoffs uh, when situations like a Nicholas Batum just goes off or that corner is just super exposed and Gobert just cannot rotate over. I mean, yeah. honestly just having more piece versatile pieces on that roster will go a long ways. And yeah, I mean, you look at the roster and the other pieces that Quinn Snyder could have gone to is either a small ball lineup with Joe Ingles or Royce O'Neal at the five and you got, and you plug in Clarkson or, um, or I guess you experiment with Derek favors. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. That, one. <laughs> that seems like a far stretch, but just getting another piece in there could potentially go a long ways for this Utah team. Yeah, Rudy Gobert going into the start of a five-year max contract deal. So yeah. that's going to really limit their options. I mean, between and that's Mitchell and Gobert, they have to be a one-two punch, or otherwise you're, you're paying a guy max money to be a decent center. Yeah, and I mean, I know it doesn't really matter all the... I mean, it's part of the equation, right, to get the number one seed, get a top seed. But if anything, this lineup has shown that they can win games and they can get you a top seed and be an elite defensive team in the league. Now you, I think you just need to put a few more pieces, a little more thoughtful pieces around, around this team that could potentially help them, that could help them actually win playoff series when it gets really tactical, like the way it did here in this Clippers series. I think mm -hmm. that's really the next step. Yeah. That'll be an interesting off season for Utah. They, they'll have mm -hmm. some questions for sure. Yeah. So moving on, here we go. Bucks pulling off the upset, beating the Nets 4-3. Kevin Durant putting together a string of games, a masterful game five, probably one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I tuned into this series. I it, This was an interesting one. It really looked like I thought the Nets were in, in command, uh, really just giving it to the Bucks in those first two games. And that Kyrie Irving injury just changed everything. Obviously, James Harden not being there also changed a lot. I um, mean, it really just may forced the Nets to go deep into, rely deeply into Kevin Durant and just cross their fingers that somebody else <laughs> on the roster or a couple guys on the roster would show up. And Blake Griffin did. Uh, Jeff Green did. Uh, Joe Harris, not so much. Did not. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Kevin Durant, game five, 49 points, 17 rebounds. 
10 assists, 16 for 23 to keep Oof. the Nets alive there. And Steve Nash, you know, hugging Durant <laughs> at the end of that game. And then all leading up to a game six where I think it was expected that the Bucks were going to win after that effort that Durant put through. There's no way there was a repeat, not that quickly. But game seven, uh, which just ended tonight, 48 points from Durant, Oof. nine rebounds, six assists, 17 for 36. Wow. 36 what shots. a game that came down to one possession. Uh, I, I, I mean, I feel sad that the Nets can't lost this one. I thought what Durant you put down on the sad. floor <laughs> was was one of the greatest individual performance I've ever seen, and to not get a repeat of that in the conference finals is feels a bit disappointing. But shout out to the Bucks, though they mm-hmm. they ended up taking this one, this grueling game seven, and really a grueling series overall. Yeah, I mean, for as good as KD was, Giannis was as good. In game seven, he is matching right. him. I mean, 40 points, 13 rebounds, five assists for Giannis on 63% shooting. And he, he played like he wanted it. And he yeah. left it all out on the floor, too. But I mean, man, it's so hard for KD. It's like obviously this team had a lot of injuries, and that, that's gonna play into the factor of how they didn't win a championship when they easily should have been the favorite this year. He played literally every second of games five and seven. Mm-hmm. Game seven being an overtime game where he played 53 minutes. This dude was straight up exhausted and putting up. You could tell it all accumulated in that final shot that he took to try to win the game in the first overtime. He airballed it. Yeah. He airballed the shot in overtime, and that was the game. He, he tried to put the team entirely on his back, and he just couldn't do it. Just quite not enough. I mean, the Bucks played super hard the whole game. P.J. Tucker was in his face the whole time. And Chris Middleton was a little off, but he made it when it counted. Giannis was just playing great basketball the whole time, even despite the Nets crowd just berating him, <laughs> counting down the free throw seconds as he was at the free throw line every single time. Did you do you see that on the broadcast? Uh, of course, counting yes. counting yeah. the seconds. It worked it a little him. bit in the first yeah, half. Yeah, a little bit, but <laughs> then he actually started getting into a rhythm, and they actually mm-hmm. stopped counting, which was pretty yeah. funny. Um, but. Yeah, he stepped up. I mean, this Bucks team showed that they had to win. If they didn't win with this, what they constructed, I mean, they got their guys in Holiday and P.J. Tucker that they thought that that was the pieces they needed to win a championship. Obviously, they lost a role player in DiVincenzo, but, I mean, everyone's lost at least one player this playoff, so you you got to lose somebody. And they, they made... Mike Budenholzer probably have his job for at least another year because this guy, this guy was getting scorned on, on social Mm -hmm. media, on YouTube comments, on Reddit. Everyone was calling for this guy to to just get ousted. They're like, how is Budenholzer the coach of this team? Like he is garbage. He is trash. I doubt those people are going to still be saying that after this game tonight, because they, they did everything they could to, to help this man keep his job and they're in the conference finals again and i I would likely think that they'd be the favorite against either the sixers or the hawks at this point with the way both those teams are playing yeah this this was just such a crazy game like it seemed like no team could pull away for more than five points at any given time oh yeah and it's easily there's gotta be at least 20 over 20 lead changes in this game yeah and it felt like the Bucks were just going to go down and then it felt like the Nets were going to go down. But every now, but every time somebody's answered back, whether it was Middleton or Giannis or basically just Kevin Durant, I mean, James Harden had a couple 
big shots there, but overall not the biggest impact. Um, Drew Holiday really almost, man, just almost choked away this <laughs> game for the away, Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> like he just could not buy a bucket. He made one big shot in the fourth quarter to give them the lead. Obviously, Kevin Durant answered back to send it into overtime. But in in, in overtime, Drew Holiday had a, other cup good looks and just bricked them all. Yeah. But thankfully, Giannis came through for, for, to <laughs> rescue this team. Um, but man, KD was just centimeters away from winning this game though too <laughs> before sending it to overtime. Foot on the line. Couple more centimeters and yeah, the uh, Nets are going to the conference finals. Yeah. If only he had smaller feet, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then once you're in overtime, it's just such a struggle to score after having played the game that you did. And mm-hmm. at one point, the stars lined up and the heavens opened up for Joe Harris to take a wide <laughs> open three to win this game oh. and justify the $14 million he's getting paid. <laughs> and he totally bricked it. A no-show totally this series. He was 2-for-12 from the three-point line, 32% from three on the series. Uh, Just totally let this team down, I think, in the closing stretch. And he would have been the little extra umph that they needed from the KD effort to to win this game or win the series, and it just wasn't there. Um, It's just, I just still feel devastated by this. I feel like the Bucs should not have won this series, but somehow they did win this. 28% from the three, from from the three-point line on the series 67 percent from the free throw line a lot of that is Giannis just free throws like this this Nets team put together such good product on the floor with based off the back of Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant put up such good product the Nets team did nothing you get your random performance from Jeff Green for one game right and then other than that it's just Kevin Durant yeah I don't know why I have such a bitter taste about the Bucks winning this series, but I do. But they've they won it. They did it. They 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 punched it out. They punched punched them where their way out of this series with a W. And uh they did put together some not very good team basketball. <laughs> a lot of boneheaded decisions were made throughout this series. Um, but they're off to the conference finals, and this may be their best run ever because I think the Nets are coming back next year, obviously with a big chip oh, on their yeah. shoulder. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't, uh, I don't feel bad for the Nets, and I would feel really upset if the Bucks didn't win this series because they didn't have Kyrie for like mm-hmm. most of it, and they only had Harden for the last two games, two three games. So, if the Bucks somehow lost this series, that would just be it. Like, they'd blow up yeah. everything. Like I, so I would be very upset at the Bucks. I, I'm very happy that they won this series. It kind of validates what Giannis has been doing, what Middleton's given to this team. And for the Nets, it's like, yeah, you'll just come back with with Kyrie and Harden and and, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Let's not forget next right. year, and you run it back, and and they'll probably win the title next year. But and who knows? But. Or Irving probably get another injury. Kyrie is just a curse at this point. Like, let's be honest. Like, if you if you're on a team with Harden and Durant and you still manage to mess it up, like, yeah, you're cursed. Like, Kyrie is just there's just no way this guy is gonna have like a normal season ever again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that. I think that's really the biggest the bigger story of this series is what's gonna happen if the Bucks had lost this and if they had lost it. Wow. 
I'm not sure if you blow up the whole thing, but Mike Mike Budenhauser for sure has be to be out. out. Yeah. There's no way he's he stays in there. Again, this is one of these teams that's been here for a couple of years now trying to break through and they finally do it. And for them to have not, if they did not do it, wow, it would have just been a huge blow uh, for this whole roster and this whole organization. But they they managed to pull through and looking at the landscape of the teams that are left, I got to think they're the favorite to win it. Mm -hmm. Like they have all the pieces intact outside of the sun's missing CP three. Who's not injured just has a protocol, but still who knows how that's going to truly affect that series against the Clippers. But they, they've got all the pieces here and they seem to be on a good roll right now winning by winning this series. Yeah. And it's like, obviously the Sixers, like all their stars are healthy. I mean, unless Ben Simmons has some sort of mental injury, because <laughs> we're gonna get into that, because this guy looks terrible. But yeah. yeah, the Bucks. I mean, I'm happy for him, man. I'm happy for Giannis. I mean, he's such a good guy, right? I mean, you, you love to see guys like that succeed. It, it's kind of like the Donovan Mitchell effect, uh, where you're just like, yeah, I, I love watching Giannis play, and even though he has holes in his game, very glaring holes, it's like you just know he's putting his heart out there, and he and he's he's giving it his all. Um, so I'm stoked for the Bucks. As far as who I think they're rooting for in the Sixers Hawks series, I still think they they gotta be rooting for the Hawks, right? Because yeah. this is just a, a dream run that they they're just ready to crush them once they get there and just be like, yeah, Gian- there's no one to guard Giannis on that team. So they are praying the Hawks can somehow pull off this victory. Uh, it's gonna be very difficult though in Philadelphia. Yeah. Let's move on to that series. Sixers Hawk tied up all tied up three, three for a game seven. I did not see this coming. I can, no I don't did. believe anybody who says they saw this coming. Like <laughs> they're lying. If they said they yeah, did, it's crazy. Trey young is just out here. Just breaking down defenses all day, every day when it comes to the fourth quarter and Ben Simmons. Wow. Like oh. this is just a crazy to me to see this guy do what he's doing right now like he 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 he's not he's getting worse every game yeah he's getting worse every game like he he's been reduced this year from like star player to all-star to role player to bad player right now right he's a bad player right now Yeah, like there's Doc Rivers was asked in the pregame or like postgame press conferences whether his what his thoughts are on potentially putting Ben Simmons on the bench and adjusting Oof. the starting lineup without him. And that's a legitimate question, I think. I think that's a legitimate question. Whether he should be, it's just it's still ridiculous. debatable. But it is a legitimate question because he is kind of a liability for this on this for this in this series right now, coming down the stretch. Nate McMillan, I, credit to him. <laughs> I guess I just don't understand how a guy with this much athletic ability, basketball savvy, and just pure attributes is unable to figure out how to beat this young Atlanta Hawks team. And Ben Simmons has been here in the playoffs year after year at this point. None of these Hawks guys, I mean, outside of what, like Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari, None of these other guys have really been in the playoffs at all. And you're just letting them all just get the better of you. And it's just, it's baffling to me that this, this guy who's supposed to be a star player in this league can't adjust his game or figure out how to get his. 
it's mm-hmm. it's like he's given up on himself yeah yeah it, it's it's rough he's supposed to be the guy who's supposed to help Joel and beat also be the best version of himself and mm-hmm. so far this 76ers team struggles you know they start off hot in the first half and i think they do the the things they need to do get Joel and beat the ball down low get him close to the basket punish punish the small hawks team click Capella is good but he's not good enough and then in the second half somehow this hawks team move this force the 76ers or the 76ers do it on themselves they move away from their strengths and and turn to three-point shooting and don't get Joel and beat the ball and and the Hawks turn up the pace and all of a sudden you get Trey Young getting getting some momentum downhill you get Gallinari getting some momentum downhill and Trey Young does what he does he's gonna get to the free throw line and knock him down and mm-hmm. you just gotta play sound defense and maintain keep playing off your strengths and I feel like the 76ers for one reason or another move away from that and the Ben Simmons stuff is totally not helping Nick McMillan and taking out the hack of Ben strategy <laughs> to get himself some more possessions in the game um, and get his team, get his shooters more possessions to shoot, get Trey young more possessions to get himself in the free onto the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, Ben Simmons is shooting 29.8% from the free throw line, less than 30%. Nice. That is unreal. That is, yeah. that is like, a rec league players free throw numbers. <laughs> That's my free throw percentage. That's yeah, that is our free throw. I feel like I could make three out of ten free throws in his same shoes, you know? <laughs> like it's three out of ten. That is mm-hmm. unreal. Like, I don't care how loud it is in there. I'm gonna make a couple free throws. But this is Ben Simmons we're talking about. I am not Ben Simmons. This is just some of the most pathetic basketball I've ever seen. From a guy that is pick number one, he was supposed to be an amazing player in this league, and all of a sudden he's just—he looks like it's like the Benjamin Button effect, where he's just getting worse and worse every. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's like becoming younger, more immature, and worse at basketball. It's crazy. I I just don't understand it. He only, he only played twenty five minutes in game six. He was in foul trouble, but he also was a liability on the court, like you said, like. Once they got to the point where they were going to start hacking Ben Simmons, they just took him out of the game. And that's how they ended up winning the game because yeah. they, they didn't have to worry about that. That was a game-saving move in game six to take him out. And he was visibly unhappy about it. But honestly, it allowed the Make 76ers yeah, the 76ers to, to not... It took that strategy away from the Hawks and gave the momentum back to the 76ers to just play straight-up basketball without these little... Um, you know, cheap shots, yeah. cheap tactics <laughs> right. that, oh, yeah. that the exactly. Hawks were employing. And I mean, they're a desperate team. They're the underdog. So I don't fault them for going into that bag. But mm-hmm. I mean, you needed everything you could get. And you need more than just Seth Curry and Joel Embiid to close out this game seven. But credit to Seth Curry, though. 22 yeah. points on 59% shooting from three. Whew. This dude's this, cooking. Yeah, he's showing exactly Dallas could have really used that in their series against the Clippers. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, this guy's a bona fide role player difference maker. And the 76ers uh, okay, might very bet. well win game seven off the back of Seth Curry and not Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. I Controversial mean, take. <laughs> what, do you think Doc Rivers has the balls to start Tyrese Maxey over Ben Simmons? No, Doc Rivers has no history of willing to go down the stretch and adjusting his lineups, even in desperation. Yeah. So, no, I don't see that. And 
if Doc Rivers goes out in the second round against the, the Hawks tomorrow, <laughs> we might never see Doc Rivers in the NBA again. Oh, I'm pretty man. sure. Wow. You heard it here first. That's crazy. Can you imagine? Uh, it'll make me so affirmed i'll say as a clipper fan to know that doc rivers was the problem the whole time it wasn't any of the other teams well it's just doc rivers being doc rivers he'd be you know just classically giving up big leads in playoff in playoff games is all his fault it's all his schemes and coaching ability that that would be a good affirmation for, for the clipper nation be like yeah we 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 got Ty Lu, man, and that this mm-hmm. guy knows how to make adjustments on the fly, and he's not willing to try out these other lineups. And Doc Rivers is just stubbornly going to throw Ben Simmons out there and just and hope that he's able to get some of that old magic back. But uh, it, it's very hard for me to see at this point. The the dude just looks deflated out there, like just looks like he just doesn't belong. Yeah, I think the 76ers, when it comes down to crunch time. Go with your strength. Roll with Joel and B. Get him the ball close to the basket. Go with Seth Curry. And hopefully Tobias can come through and hit some clutch buckets for you because yeah. the 76ers need to win this game more than yeah. the Hawks. <laughs> I, I want them to. Just I mean, I love Tobias Harris, man. I mean, obviously he gave us a good run with the with the Clippers. Uh gave us a lot of hope and a and a good bridge into what we built today. And I, I want to see this guy succeed. And mm-hmm. he deserves it. So if for no other reason than Tobias Harris getting a little bit more for his for his career acumen, uh, I want the Sixers to win this one. But if the Hawks win, man, that is a crazy storyline for this team, isn't it? Like just going from I like I, it's Trey Young said it best in one of his. Pre- I think there was the press conference after Game Five. They had no All Star selections. They had no All NBA team. No All NBA defensive team. No Rookie of the Year. Whatever. No accolades to their names. And they're taking it to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So one of the best records in the league this year. And it, it's really cool to see. I mean. This Hawks team, I mean, we we projected they'd probably be a playoff team this year, but and they just had a lot of a lot of pieces, right? They had almost too much depth um, with all the free agent moves they made, but they figured out the right lineups. They have the right coach now, and they're they're just they they look like they belong, and they mm-hmm. they've been in all these games, and it, it, man, it would I would not be upset to see the Hawks get another win, and it would be a crazy storyline. Yeah. I think so. We'll see what happens and we'll see if, which Hawks show up. If everybody shows up, I think they got a good shot at taking this thing. They're going to need um, some lemon pepper Lou magic again, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would not show up last game, but he needs to come through in game seven. They need everything mm-hmm. they can get. Uh, but the last series here, Suns taking down the ha- <laughs> the Nuggets. Oh, it's a 4-0, a sweep. I did not think this would be a sweep. I knew the Suns were favorites. But for it to actually come down to a sweep was uh, a little disappointing. But ultimately, mm-hmm. the Nuggets just really don't have the enough chess pieces to have matched up with the Suns or responded to much that they threw out there. Especially once word came down that Porter Jr. was dealing with some sort of injury. I mean, you got Will Barton back, but Will Barton just looked like he just had a lot of conditioning and and rust to get yeah. over. He had a few really good minutes in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is just a Suns team that has figured its identity out and it's just got solid pieces. And Chris Paul was just a mid-range death machine. 
mm-hmm. close out this to close out this team in that game four. Um, no surprise here. Uh, now excited to see what the Suds can do. I I mean I'm I'm saying that the Bucks are the favorite, but I'm not sure what the Sixers and Hawks series is gonna look like. But right now, I think I got the Suns as like the best team in the playoffs remaining. Yeah, I mean, as long as Chris Paul comes back from COVID right. being himself, I mean, we don't even know if he has symptoms or not. Mm-hmm. If he has symptoms, that might affect the way he can play, which right. that would be a pretty big detriment. But, man, you'd think that the Nuggets would have at least been able to match up kind of well against him. Because, I mean, they, they had to go up against Damon CJ, a really star-studded mm-hmm. backcourt. You're looking at the same thing against Phoenix with, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And they just got completely obliterated. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, Compazzo and Austin Rivers were completely outmatched. It's what they should have been in the Portland series, but I, I don't really know what the difference was uh, for these guys. Like, they were able to, like, game up for that series, but for some reason against the Suns, they were just completely outmatched. Yeah, I think it just shows the difference between a game, a team like Portland versus a more crafty team like the Suns and... I mean, the weapons they have on, off that bench, Mikkel Bridges, Cameron Payne, dare Cam I say. Cam Johnson, too. Yeah. Cam Johnson just adds so much more pressure to the perimeter defense, and rotations have to be so much quicker and tighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's just the Suns are basically like the 2.0 version of what Portland w- wishes to put around their two backcourt threats. Yeah. Um, and the Suns, the Suns have it. And that's not to also mention DeAndre Aiden down low, you know, again, mm-hmm. playing his brains off these playoffs just doing whatever he wants against whoever he wants so far i'm very scared that aiden's going to destroy us i mean (laughs) we we don't have a big guy to go against him and he's young he's young and quick enough to i think probably play against our small ball lineup a lot better he's gonna be a a crafty guy too really really he's really earning that number one overall pick Mm -hmm. respect at this point i mean obviously he's no luka Doncic, but i mean for for what that this team needs him to do he's doing it in flying colors he's passing every test yeah i will say this one more point here is the nuggets got swept but i guess there is an argument to be made they could have won game four had Joe kick not been thrown out right that call yeah, i still disagree uh, with maybe yeah he he knew what he was doing though that was just a stupid play it was a blunder i'm still a little upset that the refs ultimately threw him out um, <laughs> it was an aggressive foul, but it was a pretty. It, that, that, it was the wind up, of, like he went full, like fully behind, and like just whacked the dude. Yeah. Um, what makes me upset yeah. is just that that game was decided. You know what was that like the two minute mark of the third quarter, and from that moment on, that yeah. game was over. <laughs> yeah, but I mean this. Yeah, I, I think it was more of like a inevitability thing. It's like they were already down three zero. Like they were not going right. to come back from it. So whatever but i mean for denver i'm sure they're not like too sad about it because i mean they made it to the second round without their star point guard right and that that's still Mm -hmm. something to be pretty um i'd still be pretty happy with that i mean obviously not happy but you can't be too upset and so they'll come back with murray next year hopefully he comes back and is able to get conditioned again and they'll they'll make another run for it i think they'll just they'll be as competitive as ever yeah, and that front office doesn't really get a lot of shout out, but I think they're crafty. They always find some pieces to that somehow makes a slight difference to the team. Composo yeah. this year, well, not Compo, but like they'll find yeah, like Compasso, the Monty Morris. Yeah, Composo was Compasso, one this year, yeah. Um, Tory Craig, like I'm sure they missed Tory Craig. <laughs> like Tory Craig would have helped them out so much, but that was another piece uh, that they had yeah. found. 
Austin did. Rivers, uh, yeah, getting him off the couch. I mean, it ended up helping them win the first round series somehow. Who would have yeah, thought? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think the front office there will figure something out uh, because the perimeter defense was totally exposed, which was interesting. One of their biggest strengths two years ago. Obviously, some of the injuries with Barton and Jamal Murray did help with that. So yeah. we'll see what that happens there. Um, right here to close the podcast off. Got a couple bullet points. Big dealer for folks big, here. These are big bullet points here. Yeah. Offseason trade. Celtics trading Kemba. 2021 first round pick. Uh, 2025 second rounder to OKC for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second rounder. What are we thinking here, Sean? You dig in this trade? What are your thoughts? Oh, First I'm trade of the mean, offseason. I, 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 I mean, this is not even the offseason yet. This is the crazy yeah. part. It's like, were they even allowed to do trades like yeah, this? Before I really the didn't know over? that. Yeah, like, is this, can this trade be considered official or is it just like a really early rumor that got leaked? I, no, I have no idea. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's against any rules, but I mean, blockbuster trade season's already happening, man. This is crazy. I mean, this is something we always wonder is like, were the Celtics going to try to trade Kemba Walker? And yes, they were as quickly yeah. as possible, it seems. And this, there's so many implications to this. I mean, the Celtics get out of Kemba's contract, so they'll actually be able to maybe build some more pieces around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, the, the funny part is though, they get Al Horford on the contract that they weren't willing to pay him two mm-hmm. years ago. And so now you have Al Horford on that same contract, but he's two years older and you missed out on two years Al Horford you could have had otherwise. Yeah. So just, yeah, completely, I guess, I guess better late than never is the, is the mentality there. So you pick up Al Horford's contract, you get a really solid young guy and Moses Brown on, on the best deal imaginable. I think this guy's making like one and a half million for the next three years. Yeah. So that, he signed that's a really that value piece. deal. That's a big value. But then you also, because you're you're offloading all this Kemba salary, you end up giving your first round pick, which is the 16th pick in the draft this year, to OKC. You lost your first round pick. That that's 16 is not low. Mm-hmm. Like that was right outside the lottery. There's there could be some good talent there at 16. And you you essentially trade that for Moses Brown. Uh which yeah. Uh, I mean, Brad Stevens being the new the new president of basketball operations there, the GM might, trying to make a flashy move, I guess, to start off his tenure. Is that, this the right choice? Ah, the 16th pick, is that's a heavy price to pay. I think so, unless you feel confident that, I guess, Moses Brown offsets that, like he's the type of guy you think you could have gotten there. But you already and, have Robert Williams III. Like, right. Are you so that's, not going to play him? Yeah, that's what's interesting about this all is you get Al Horford and then you get Moses Brown, the guy who was playing over him in <laughs> OKC. <laughs> right. And now you bring these two pairs and you already have Robert Williams and you got Tristan Thompson on a player option. So Tristan Thompson could also opt in. Yeah, you just don't play him. <laughs> but this is all of a sudden you have you're going to have a ton of money committed to four centers. Um, right. A ton of money, really, because of Tristan Thompson and Al Horford. Right. If Tristan Thompson opts into his player option, which he will, because he's not going to get that anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So it's it's difficult for me to say this is a good trade or not. It almost feels like it's the Celtics who paid a heavy price. But I guess Kemba Walker was really just not someone you were willing to stick with. 
And the other interesting piece is this Brad Stevens was like, as soon as he got off the coaching chair, he was like, yep. I'm sending this guy. Yeah, and you got to wonder how Kemba long out of here. Yeah, that was on his mind and whether maybe there was turmoil between the front office and Brad Stevens since last offseason when they didn't bring back Gordon Hayward and instead they brought in Kemba mm-hmm. and Kemba did nothing. And I got to think Gordon Hayward was one of Brad Stevens's guys like, Oh yeah, maybe that was a bit of a punch. I think so. Yeah, but so the question is here. I mean, so I since the Celtics get more, I guess, flexibility with their cap space, you really can't fully evaluate this trade until free agency starts and we see who the Celtics get with this extra salary cap that they've opened up for themselves. On the surface, though, it's like Kemba Walker is the best player in this deal. Yeah, and the best asset in this whole trade was the first round pick you also gave to okc so it's just man it's unbelievable that sam presti is able to pull this stuff off still i mean you have to think like every gm should be where it's almost like he right when brad stevens got the job he probably targeted him he's like okay here's a guy that hasn't experienced having to make a deal with me yet so i'm gonna i'm gonna get him while he's still young and not uh fully tenured in this position yet and get get a good deal out of this yeah i almost wonder if like when he signed moses brown to that deal if he ever intended for him to play those years out in okc because that was one of the points when i saw that contract is like wow that seems like a pretty tradable contract oh it's a, it's an amazing contract yeah it's low cost long, a couple <laughs> years on it and you know he's young enough and athletic enough to where there is a chance there a appears potential yeah. that there's potential that he could be a good piece uh, for a team and and let alone here's the Celtics are biting on that and they gave up with the 16th pick they gave for up it. This number 16 pick so the best case scenario for OKC now is they get four five 16 and 18 they get They're four first round in. picks. They're going all in and it's it's unlikely because the Rockets pick is very likely to land in the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it doesn't, oh, look out. <laughs> That's going to change. That feels like a very, like a crossroads moment that will be evaluated. Right. That's going like to shift 10 a, years. Lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah. All riding on these lottery balls, which are, they're going to, they're going to cu- pull these lottery balls out later this month. Yeah. Oh, the that's going to be very exciting. Yeah. You got the Rockets and the Timberwolves crossing fingers that they oh, go yeah, their way. That's right. The Timberwolves, <laughs> too. If I lose it to Golden State, that would be wild. Yeah. Um, but so I what guess, do you think of this? What, what is your overall thoughts on this trade? My overall thoughts on this trade is I don't know what the hell the Celtics are doing. OKC is okay. At least you're consistent, right? Like you're getting more first round picks. The Celtics is, I'm not really sure where this comes from. Like, I guess Moses Brown may be one of the, you, you bring him in to try to light up Robert Williams or something to get him more motivated. And then you, 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 you know, you trade playing time between these three guys. I don't know. I I just feel really confused by all of this. And you know, my thoughts around the Celtics is (laughs) I don't know where this franchise is going. They're going to tank. Is this this trade indicate that they're going to tank to you? I think I think it doesn't give me indication of anything, and that's I think that's what the most confusing part <laughs> of it. Interesting. Okay. And I still continue to see this team as the only <laughs> real way to move forward is to have one tanking year. You can't, no, you can't <laughs> do it. You can't do it, dude. Get, 
you you know so this indicates to me that they're not tanking you know why they gave up their first round pick no and i understand that yeah that makes sense to me but i don't what are these pieces that are going to make up for that i don't think any of these pieces equal wins that's that's why i'm saying you have to wait till free agency to really know like they're they're not going to automatically tank while you have jason tatum and jalen brown in their primes that's it's just happened that before. No, you're not going to waste an entire year of these guys to just, just get a lottery ball. You never know, man. You never know. No, I know. I know, <laughs> dude. You, you're you're crazy, and I'm going to win this under-over bet with you on the Celtics <laughs> win total. It's not even going to be close. It's the only way to move forward, and Brad Stevens knows that Jalen Brown's going to take a year off, and oh, man. Jason yeah, Tatum's going to average not 35. <laughs> we'll see just, either uh, either way uh, at the end of the day i think it is tbd on this deal i think for from the first gut reaction i think okc we could potentially get won. a big deal out of the 16th pick so we'll see where, yeah. where they go with that and i'm very excited to see if they can do for kemba what they did What's for chris paul right this this looks like it could be that all over again <laughs> they play kemba walker they they put them in their system they clearly are doing something right with their training staff. Right. Because, I mean, this this could be a very great, a big win-win situation. One for OKC, because if they can revitalize Walker's career and flip him like they did for Paul, the, the more first-round picks come in their way. And for Kemba Walker, I think just getting out of Boston being able to take this year to reset with OKC, get your body right, get your mind right, and then they they'll they'll take care of you. They'll trade you to another contender. I mean, I think this is a huge win-win for both both those parties. Yeah, it's interesting from the perspective of Boston, where it's like you signed a guy and then you ship him out after only one year. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, for more picks. They're, yeah, they're just they're not done yet. That I mean, they were able to keep getting these guys who they can keep flipping. Yeah. Anyways, moving on, Lamella winning Rookie of the Year. Um, big deal for the Ball family. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, Lavar Ball is right. He's one for <laughs> fifty or whatever. Yeah, one for <laughs> fifty. The, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's great. I mean, Lamella Ball winning Rookie of the Year. I mean, I think a lot of us predicted that. I thought Anthony Edwards should have been Rookie of the Year. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing they take a win total into account. Um. As far as that awards concerned, as far as most of the awards are concerned, really, but I'm excited to see how he progresses this year. I think this could be a big jump for him, kind of like what we saw with Luka Doncic from his first to his second year. And if we can see something similar from Lamelo, it's going to make for a very interesting Hornets team. Yeah, and they got some good pieces, I think, moving forward. And Miles PJ Bridges Washington. took a big step up. PJ Washington had good games. Terry Rozier is looking pretty good. You still have Hayward. Yeah. yeah, Hayward, if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. They'll be in the running yeah. for playoff spot. Mm-hmm. All defensive teams announced first team, Rudy Gobert, Simmons, Oof. Draymond, <laughs> Giannis, Drew Holiday, second team, Bam, Butler, Embiid, IT Stiebel, and Kawhi. I think this all kind of makes sense to me. I, yeah, any disagreements you think? I mean, a lot of people will say Gobert doesn't Gobert, deserve that first right. team anymore, <laughs> but he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think it, it's pretty crazy that you get uh, you get two bucks in the first team and you get two or you get 
well, really three total sixers of these mm-hmm. two teams. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, Matisse Thibel, man, I'm I'm excited to see this guy continue to get playing time opportunities. This this dude could be the next Tony Allen. That's a big that's a big name to live up to. I love Tony it Allen. Is. I mean, yeah, not like the <laughs> biggest name, obviously, but this, yeah. this guy could be the next defensive phenom for sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, head coaching, man, heads are getting cool. chopped out here. <laughs> Scott Brooks, Rick Carlisle, Stan Van Gundy. I mean, some of these make sense. Like Stan Van Gundy kind of makes sense. Like yeah. that that relationship was just seemed iffy. Um, I thought it would it would work out at the beginning, but Towards the towards the season, it just looked like it was just not a fit. Scott Brooks, same thing. Washington is kind of committed with him for a long time. Very little results to show for it. Rick Carlisle, I think, was the surprising one for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been there for so long, probably the longest tenured coach. I think Greg Popovich. Yeah. Oh yeah, Greg Popovich. Right. <laughs> but he had been there for so long. I I really was surprised that he would go out mute in the way that they describe it. Mutually agreed. I'm not really sure who you can replace him with out there, but I was surprised to, for him to leave a vacancy where you have one of the best players, upcoming best players, if not the best upcoming best player player in the league. Right. The, yeah, I agree with you. The Dallas parting ways with Rick Carlisle is easily the most shocking head coaching vacancy we've seen. This, I mean, we've seen seven total head coaching vacancies so far, which is pretty crazy. I yeah. can't remember exactly how many we've seen over the last few years, but I feel like this year especially we've seen a lot of exits. And, man, it's it's crazy to think that the Clippers alone are the reason that Dallas is completely imploding <laughs> right now. They fired their GM right before Rick Carlisle and them agreed to part ways, and then Rick Carlisle walks. And then now you're hearing about Luca being pretty unsatisfied with how everything is going so far. And it's just crazy to think it's like, would any of this even be happening if they had beat the Clippers? If they had if they had kept their 2-0 lead in the series and actually turned that into a playoff series win, would any of this be happening? Probably not. It just came down to so that either. one, came down to that game seven. If they if things had gone another way, uh, it'd be a totally different storyline. But now Dallas is is scrambling. It seems like they're mm-hmm. Mark Cuban's just losing his mind trying to figure out how to get the right pieces to get Luka Doncic the team he needs to succeed. It's kind of yeah. scary. I I feel like they might be biting off a little more than they can chew and making a little bit of hasty moves even. Um and it, it might end up be ultimately being the reason Luka ends up leaving and not signing a, a long-term extension. In my mind, it's just it just seems very hasty and it's it is very concerning for this franchise which i mean a year ago you'd be like wow like they have a great future i mean they're going to be great for the next decade because they're going to make sure that luke is going to get what he wants but it seems like they're just they're really messing it up right now it is really looking bad though over there yeah dallas is an interesting franchise right now because they put together pieces that that seemed like they were going to be good and they're committed to some of these Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard to really maneuver this roster and change it. Whoever's taken up the, the seat at the top of basketball maneuvering, general managing position and president of basketball operations, and then the head coach, they've got themselves quite the challenge just because you've got the combination of the, per- the pressure from a superstar to get things right. And you also got the challenge of what was left behind. And what you have mm-hmm. left behind is, 
you got a guy like Tim Hardway Jr. who was paid a good amount of money and had some kind of bad years, not a very consistent <laughs> regular season, but all of a sudden balls out in the playoffs. Right. Do you bring him back? <laughs> yeah, you got to consider it. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to because do you you don't have the cap space to get anybody else. And then you got a guy like Perzingis that you're committed to who just has had a tough time staying healthy. Like, is he truly your second option here? You know, and then you got guys like Dorian Finley-Smith, Dwight Powell. Like, are these the go-to guys that you want? Like, have they played enough and added enough value to even be swapped for anything better? Like you sort of had a lot of guys who are just tweetingly in the middle um, and there seems to not be much potential that they could break through and and get any better. And the only guy you have that is, is your one superstar in (laughs) Lucas. So, and you got money committed and you got guys that you might have to commit money in order to keep them. And, and if there's anybody out there better than those guys is, is an interesting question for this, for this franchise. Um, I don't know. It, it's quite the quite the the shambles they're gonna have to figure out. Can you imagine if Seth Curry was still on this team? Oh, Seth Curry! Oh, it was man. a big piece that they should not have let go, and they did. What a boneheaded trade! That probably would have been the they, difference. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember. I mean, we didn't really give them a, a lot of crap for it when it happened. We're like, oh, like Josh Richardson, like, he's pretty good, like. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is the right piece to get alongside with Luca, and man, we couldn't have been more wrong. Dallas couldn't have been more wrong. Seth Curry would have immensely helped this team. Oh yeah, even on a bad night of Seth Curry, a bad series of Seth Curry would have given more than what Josh Richardson gave in that Clippers series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, Josh Richardson. I forgot about that name, and that totally is yeah. again one of those names that's like. You got money committed to him. He's on this roster, but he's not really giving you much, and he's he's gonna be tough to trade. Um, so it, it's gonna be a rough one. So we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see what they can put together to turn this franchise around. Yep. Yeah. Definitely, it's gonna be very interesting. But yeah, these head coaching vacancies they keep piling up. Oh, uh, it's gonna be really. We're, we're gonna have to follow very closely who's gonna get hired where. And we're, right. if, if we're going to see the first ever female head coach of an NBA team, that's going to be a oh. big storyline. Yeah, potentially. Uh, there is no shortage of NBA franchises to to interview with. So mm-hmm. right. we'll see which one of these get taken. Um, well, that's all I got. Sean, you got anything else to add? <sighs> Conference finals, man. We're in it. I'm so yeah. excited. This is this has been an awesome playoff so far. I'm I'm so stoked on on everything basketball right now. Mm-hmm. I I'm with you. No Lakers here, but got an LA team hanging on here mm-hmm. in, yep. to go to the Western Conference <laughs> Trying Finals. Trying to represent two, two Pacific Division teams going at each other. It's hard to call them rivals because <laughs> these two really franchises <laughs> have ever been you know grouped together, but yeah, uh, two division. Uh, uh, counterparts, foes. I guess you yeah. could say. <laughs> yeah. They're but, foes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll continue covering the playoffs here. And don't forget to subscribe and keep tuning in week in and week out. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.